Welcome back to the Cod Cabin, the only Massachusetts podcast where your where your time is special to us, and we are and our time is special to you. I'm Adam Bass. Join me as always is Logan Raid. With the Massachusetts primaries coming up, there's going to be a lot of elections to look at: the governor, the state house, and of course the House of Representatives. But there's also a lot of down ballot races that we're looking at. Most notably, the state auditor's uh, race. With Suzanne Bump resigning, there's going to be an open seat in 2022. And tonight, we have one of the candidates running for that position. Please welcome Chris Dempsey. Chris, welcome to the Kai Cabin. Adam and Logan, it's great to be on with you guys. Great to have you on as well. Um, So I want to start off with, I think, a simple question that many of our listeners would like to know. And many of our listeners have actually asked us. Um, And that is, what does a state auditor do? Uh, you're running for this position. Many people get confused with the treasurer position. In fact, one of our uh, good friends and listeners who uh, is excited about this interview asked the question, what's the difference between a straight treasurer and a state auditor? And I thought it was good to start the show by opening up to you to qualify for that question and why you're running for state auditor. Adam's a great question. And I think there are a lot of voters out there who don't necessarily have a perfect grasp of the auditor's roles and responsibilities and mandate. But at its simplest level, the state auditor's office is about making state government work better. You oversee a team of about 200 people. You send that team of auditors and analysts into every corner of the executive branch of state government. You figure out what's working. You figure out what's not working. You make recommendations for how to fix things. And then you use the bully pulpit of the auditor's office to actually advocate for changes within state government. So in my mind, it's an exciting role, and I can't think of a better job description than standing up for the public interest and making state government work better. One thing that's also true about the state auditor position is that it's the fifth in line in terms of succession. It goes governor, um, lieutenant governor, uh, secretary of the Commonwealth. Attorney General, six, I'm sorry, six, um, Attorney General, then Treasurer, I believe, then uh, State Auditor. Does that ever, if you're elected as State Auditor, uh, will that, you know, be a bearing on your mind as well as just thinking about it? You know, you're going to be in the line of succession. And does that ever get to you? Or would that ever get to you? Uh, You know, Adam, that's the first time I've been asked that question. Uh, in this campaign, and it's not something that I've thought about. Uh, look, I think um, six is is pretty long down that list. So <laughs> this is not a position that I'm running for in the hopes that all five of the folks ahead of me go on vacation on the same week out of state, and all oh of a sudden uh, that, that I'm that I'm acting governor for a day or something. Uh, I'm running for this role because I think the job itself is a very worthwhile and critical role. And uh, it's a good fit for my background, I believe. Um, And I believe that voters want someone who can point to a record of making state government work better and standing up for the public interest. And so that's why I'm all in on this race and have a lot of conviction about it. All right, Logan, turn it over to you, man. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on, by the way. Um, You mentioned that you have uh, your experience is a good fit for this role. Tell us more about that and and where you come from and why do you think you'd make a good fit for state auditor? Yeah, thanks, Logan. So I will start talking about my parents. They met while being public school teachers in the Boston Public Schools at the Martin Luther King School in the Grove Hall 
neighborhood of Boston. And they were placed in adjoining classrooms. That's how they met. And it was love at first sight. And I was fortunate to grow up in a household where we talked about the importance of public investment. We talked about the fact that they were digging into their own pockets to pay for school supplies, like we know so many public school teachers still do to this day across the Commonwealth. And uh, my, my little sister is now uh, also a public school teacher. So I'm sort of the black sheep for not going into education. Um, but uh, grew up in a household where public education was very much prized. I uh, went off to college in California after graduating from Brookline High School and came back and ended up working for Governor Patrick and Lieutenant Governor Murray as then candidates on the Democratic coordinated campaign all the way back in 2006. And I was part of the team that helped Democrats retake the corner office for the first time since Governor Dukakis had left in 1991 and uh, was really honored to serve in the administration in transportation. I rose to the position of assistant secretary of transportation. And I was focused on transportation because it's one of these core services and challenges that state government provides and, and needs to make progress on. And I know to this day, we still haven't seen enough progress in transportation. It remains a source of great frustration for many people across the Commonwealth for various reasons, whether you're in the Berkshires and you don't have adequate public transit service, whether you're on the South Coast and you've been waiting for South Coast Rail for 60 years, or whether you're stuck in congestion on the Pike or I-93, we don't really get transportation right. And I can't say that I fixed it all when I was there, but one thing I did do was co-found the MassDOT program that created smartphone apps that tell you when your bus or train is going to come, part of the MassDOT open data program. I'm sure you guys would agree that the MBTA is not known as a place for innovation, but it was when I was there. In fact, the MBTA became the very first agency on the entire East Coast to adopt that open data standard that allowed the proliferation of all these apps that maybe you guys use today. And I certainly do as a regular public transit rider. Went off to business school. I worked in the private sector. And while I was there, I noticed along with some friends that there was a proposal to bring the Boston 2024 Olympics to Massachusetts. And at first that's an exciting prospect because we've got a great Commonwealth and it's fun to show it off and who doesn't like the Olympics. But the more you learn about the deal that host cities strike when they sign on the dotted line with the International Olympic Committee, the more you appreciate that all of the risks and costs fall on taxpayers. And it's the IOC that really benefits from hosting the games. So we formed a group in a living room in Boston called No Boston Olympics. And that became the grassroots effort that challenged the boosters who were pushing the Boston 2024 bid. Despite getting outspent 1,500 to one, we were able to overcome that firepower because we had the facts on our side and we were supported by so many regular folks across the state who made grassroots contributions to our campaign, who put bumper stickers on their car, or who just talked to their friends and neighbors or even their elected officials about the concerns they had about the bid. So. I've been in the position and fortunate to, to be in that position to stand up to protect the public interest against special interests. And I think that's another important qualification for the state auditor's role. 
in some, you can describe me as someone that cares a lot about Massachusetts, cares a lot about Massachusetts state government working better for people and has a diverse set of experiences that I think prepare me for this really central and critical but unique role as state auditor. And of course, our current state auditor, Suzanne Bump, uh, she's retiring and that opens up uh, this position. How do you think she's done as state auditor? Yeah, and we should just be clear on this, right? So um, I think the word resigned was was used earlier and she's not resigning, she's just deciding not to run for reelection. So she'll yeah. see out her term through uh, 2022 into January of 2023, and then we'll inaugurate a new auditor in January, 2023. Uh, I think Suzanne has a lot to be, to be proud of and I applaud her for her time in the auditor's office and for her long career in public service. I worked with her when she was Secretary of Labor for Governor Patrick in the first term of the Patrick administration. She was also a state representative representing Braintree for many years uh, before my time in, in politics and in government. Um, and I think she has much to be proud of and much to be commended for. She's professionalized the office. It's an office that's taken very seriously now and that's had an impact on a number of debates. Uh, at the same time, she's said in her own statement about announcing she's not running for re-election that she thinks that there's more that can be done in the office. And she's excited to see a new generation of leaders step up and make the most of that role. Um, so uh, I'm excited for this opportunity. And I think she's leaving the office, handing over the keys, so to speak, to someone who will be able to start on day one making change rather than needing to build an entirely new team. All right, well, back to you, Adam. Yeah, I meant to say retire, not resign. It's nine o'clock. It's tiring <laughs> today. Um, at any rate, um, you went on on the record on WCVB Channel 5 last Sunday, and you made a comment about how you're running for state auditor not as a stepping stone to a higher platform. Now, you know, there's another person running for state auditor, state senator, um, uh, Diesel, 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 excuse me. And I think it's, it's Dizoglio. Dizoglio, yes. Dizoglio. There you go. Um, this I had it as Dizoglio. I cannot write tonight. Um, and I, was that a shot uh, across the bow from you? Uh, when you say you know you're an outsider and and you're not from the state house. Um, but you see Desaglio as you know someone who's seeing as a stepping zone, or was that just a general statement from you? Yeah, so it's a good question, Adam. Uh, my answer uh, that that quote that you have there, which you're paraphrasing a little bit about uh, voters not wanting someone using the office as a stepping stone, was actually a response to a question that I had. I think about Auditor Bump's tenure from Janet Wu and Ed Harding for Channel 5. So, uh, you know, look, we've got 13 months ahead between now and primary day 2022. I think there's going to be plenty of time for Senator DiZoglio and I and anyone else who may enter this race to draw contrasts between our records and our vision for the office and our suggested approach for the office. So, in my mind, it's far too early for anyone to be sending any shots across the bow whatsoever. Um, I, I do think that my set of experiences 
working within the executive branch, working in the private sector and standing up for the public interest at the grassroots level is a unique set of experiences and, uh, and one that does provide a good background for the auditor's office. So I'm gonna take every opportunity that I can to talk about that experience and to share that message with voters as I did on Channel 5. I do believe that voters want an independent auditor and an auditor that has experience beyond Beacon Hill. I think that that's important to the public at large and to the folks that are gonna show up and vote in the Democratic primary and the general next year. And so I'm not gonna be shy about talking about that, but uh, I wanna keep this race uh, a friendly race and a positive race, uh, especially when we're 13 months out and we have a long, long way to go before we're bringing this one home. Anything can happen in 13 months. Uh, speaking of sharing your message, uh, you've been recently going to the suburbs of Boston, even going to the Cape as just as recently. Any plans for you going out to the western part of Massachusetts or the central part of Massachusetts? Uh, do you have a plan going into Worcester, going to Springfield? And what message can you bring specifically to those cities that you have brought that can differ from the message that you have brought to other places? Yeah, good question, Adam. So we've been all over the state, and I'm really proud to be able to say that. Uh, we're taping on Thursday night. Um, just earlier tonight, I was in Natick. Last night, we were in Sudbury, both in Metro West. But earlier on Wednesday, we were down on the Cape in Bourne and Hyannis and Falmouth and got to meet with leaders in those communities. And then on Monday of this past week, we were in Pittsfield. We made a stop in Lee in the Berkshires. Uh, and then we were also in Chicopee and Springfield. So um, as recently as Monday of this week, we were out in Western Massachusetts. We've been up uh, in Methuen, which was an away game for me, but I was really honored to be able to go up there and speak to the Methuen Democratic City Committee. We've been down in Brockton, We've been to Worcester at least twice now, maybe even three times, uh, just in the short time that this race has been up and going. So we've made it all over. We've got certainly more trips to do and to make in the year ahead. Um, but this is gonna be a true statewide grassroots campaign. We're gonna go everywhere and we're gonna seek support from every community. I think it's a real privilege to be able to run for statewide office. I, I feel honored and lucky to be in the position to do it. And one of the things you notice is that we have a vast diversity in terms of our communities. We've got um, dense urban communities, we've got rural communities, we've got suburban communities. We have folks that feel very connected to the economic and political hub of Boston and people who feel very disconnected from that hub. We've got folks who've got buses running by their front door and we've got folks who would kill to have a bus within 15 miles of their house so that they could get around. Uh, and, and the examples go on and on and on. Uh, and I think diversity is a strength of this Commonwealth. I think the fact that we have um, such an eclectic set of people living in this state uh, of many different types of talents and, um, and approaches and lifestyles is what makes us such a wonderful place to live. And you really get to appreciate that when you run statewide. So I feel, as I said, very fortunate and lucky to be in this position. You know, honestly, I just came back from Canton today and I thought 
I was going to see you on the, the commuter rail since you've been traveling on the commuter rail. So if you are in that area, folks, keep an eye. You can play Where's Waldo, but where's Chris Dempsey? Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Logan for our last questions for the night. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I was going to ask, you mentioned earlier is transportation being an issue that you've been involved in quite a bit. Uh, I'm wondering, what do you think the state auditor can do to improve transportation throughout the Commonwealth? Yeah, thanks for that question, Logan. So people know that I'm passionate about transportation. And Adam, I'm so glad you mentioned riding public transit as part of this campaign. That is going to be a theme of this campaign. And I want to be very clear that that is not a campaign gimmick. It's who I am. Um, I am a regular bus rider and commuter rail rider and subway rider and cyclist and pedestrian uh, and driver. I like getting around every, every way you can across Massachusetts. And it was just last night that I was on the Worcester line heading in from Framingham to get back into where I live in Brookline. Um, so you'll see me out there uh, on the bus and the train absolutely over the next year. The auditor's office has a central role to play in transportation. Um, it, it, transportation is one of the largest uses of state capital dollars. Actually, it's the largest use of state capital dollars, over 40% of all of our long-term spending that we spend every year is on transportation. So it's a critical area of state investment and we need to make sure that those dollars are being spent well. We know in many cases they're not being spent well today. We have examples like the red and orange line cars, which are out of service and which are putting the entire orange line and red line at risk uh, as literally not being able to function in the years ahead because those cars won't be available. We've got the automated fare collection system at the MBTA, which is hundreds of millions of dollars over budget and years delayed. The contract that the MBTA signed with the provider of that system was signed roughly the same time that the New York MTA, the largest transit agency in the country, signed their contract. And the New York system is already up and running. And here at the MBTA, we have nothing to show for it. So we know that we're not spending those dollars well, and it's the state auditor's role to look into those projects, determine what's not working, and fix things. I would say more broadly though, Logan, transportation is one of the single most critical things that state government does. It's up there with healthcare and education as a core function of state government. And yet we have not had a statewide elected official who is passionate about transportation since Governor Dukakis walked out of office in January of 1991. And I think it shows. It shows in increased congestion, in more derailments of our, our rail system, in higher emissions. Our emissions in transportation are going up, even as they're going down in other areas. And even as we know, we have to be reducing emissions to address the climate crisis and to address environmental injustice that we have in too many communities, especially those living along highways in the Commonwealth. So I would bring that passion and that focus for transportation back to the statewide level where it belongs. And I think that'll improve everybody's life, whether they're, as we talked about in Pittsfield or in Methuen or down on the South Coast or in Boston, we all have our transportation challenges and they all deserve to be fixed. That's good to hear. Um, that's all I have. Um, I don't know, Adam. Well, I think else. it's going to be it for tonight, folks. Uh, Chris, I want to say thank you for joining us and we hope to have you on soon again, maybe in the future in these 13 months. Uh, any last words you want to say? No, look, it's great to be on with you guys. I really admire 
what you guys do in terms of your citizen journalism and the your ability to get some some big names not me not included there but i've i've seen Come some of your on. other episodes and watched them and um what you guys do is really really impressive and i applaud you for it um one thing i saw as part of the no boston olympics effort is the importance of a free press that is willing to tell all sides of the story and make sure that it's not just the powerful and the rich that get to set the agenda for the public conversation. And you guys are part of that. And you should be really proud of that. And I would be honored to come on at any point in the future, whenever you want to have me. We'd be lucky to have you on. Thanks for listening to the Cod Cabin tonight, everybody. Next week, we're going to have Lisa Kashinsky of Politico on Cod Cabin uh, next week. Thank you for joining us, Logan Rave and myself, Adam Bass. Take care and good night.